welcome to Women to Women podcast. Our guest today is Sarah Wagner. Sarah is focused on promoting and elevating the voices of women, particularly moms through her executive coaching services. Her insights on career and work balance are extremely helpful and her coaching is focused on helping women make the largest impact on their job search and promotion and she provides her clients with clear articulations of how to be an authentic leader. Hi Sarah, welcome to Women to Women podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. For our audience, if you can just tell us what you do today. Yes, I am a leadership and transformation coach. Basically what I do is I focus on leaders and organization and I focus also on women in the middle of their career, like somewhere around mid thirties, young kids at home. And we dig really deep on values, beliefs, and how that can transform their leadership style at work and at home so that they're more aligned with their values and can make a greater impact on the people that they're responsible for. Well, that's perfect because most of our audience in are in that age category and are looking for something like this. So this is going to be a great conversation. Let's go back and talk a little bit about what was your plan growing up? Like, what did you want to be? And what kind of degree did you aspire to? At that age, we don't think about career coaching. You know, this is a little bit more deep that you come once into the workforce, you start thinking about something like this. So what was your plan and how did it come to this point? Well, first I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. And then I found out you had to get up really early every day of high school through the winter. And so I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And I really loved teaching people things. And so I wanted to be a teacher for a little bit. Um, and then I got into HR actually my freshman year of college. I took a communications course called interpersonal communications, and it was all about just communications dynamic. And I can't even remember what it was about, but I thought this is what I want to do for my career. I want to work with people and teams on how they're communicating and working together. So I got my undergraduate degree in organizational communications. Um, which I affectionately call like HR without the finance stuff. Because at that time, I was highly allergic to numbers and math and stats. Although I did try that for about a quarter of a semester. So yeah, I set out on this career path at the beginning of college to be in HR. And my plan was to go into human resources. I really was very passionate about the learning and development. Again, the teaching, but this time would be adults. And then I always imagined myself having my own consulting and coaching business when I had kids. So this has kind of been the plan all along. And I've been navigating and building up my kind of library of corporate experiences so that I could do kind of a hybrid of of consulting, mentoring, and coaching at this point in my life. That's amazing, though. Very few people can say what they wanted to do is what they're doing today. And everything was, you know, eventually turned out according to plan. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know if it's great to have a really tight plan or if it it works against you, but I think I worked in some nooks and crannies there too. So you have also worked in corporate world. So you had a corporate career, then you kind of um, had your own consulting and now this entrepreneurship, right? Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If these were all different chapters of your life, how are they all tied in with each other? I've always been passionate about making an impact on people. So actually, I think my first chapter is probably prior to corporate. I was a summer camp counselor. So shout out to all my camp people. 
And what I really learned during that job was that I loved being able to go deep with people and make an impact on people's lives through mentorship, coaching, teaching. I taught water skiing, (laughs) which was by far away the best job ever next to coaching. Um, And then the second chapter of my career was, you know, the corporate version of that. I went into HR so that I could coach, advise, and uh, support people within an organization. And coaching obviously is coming home to that aspect of being able to provide really deep one-on-one work with people in a private, safe place that helps them transform their lives. So growing up, you talk about being a counselor and you had mentioned last time it was an all-girls summer camp and you still keep up with everybody that you met there, which is, again, so nice to hear, you know, because you build your tribe so young and that was great to have all along. And that's something we always tell the younger girls coming into the programs to say, hey, start networking, start building those close friendships now because these will last you a lifetime. So it's such a great story there. But were there people who really shaped your life when you were growing up? Well, so the summer camp where I went to, our director was only the second owner of the camp and she ran the business. She ran everything. I mean, she disciplined campers all the way up to calling parents about emergency situations. Um, And I think she really shaped my perspective. She was a tough, she was a tough woman and she ran a tight ship. And we pretended she didn't know everything that was going on, but she sure did. She knew what was going on and she guided her life. She was very religious. So whether or not you disagree, agreed or disagreed with her religious perspective, you had to respect her commitment through her own life and her own business. And it was really inspiring to me. And I would say my dad shaped my perspective as a, like a leader and a mentor for me. He was very steady. Um, I wouldn't say he ever loved his job, but he went to work. He showed up. He was consistent. He cared about his people tremendously, but he prioritized family, which was important to me, obviously. That's very interesting too, because see, post-COVID, I think things have changed quite a bit. Like we are openly acknowledging, you know, family is important. Work-life balance is important. 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. When you were a professional, you didn't talk about family. Family didn't come into the picture. The fact that he prioritized that is um, great to hear. Yeah. He was always the first to get the soccer schedule. He would harass my coach until minutes before it was released so that he could plan his work schedule around my brother and my sporting events so he could make it. It was really wonderful and very progressive. I didn't realize it at the time. And now I'm realizing it really was an act of resistance. So now if you had to tell a newcomer in your field, you know, who's trying to do something very similar, what would your advice be? Where should they start? I think a newcomer in my field... Well, I think it's twofold, especially for HR. I think try out as many different aspects of HR as you can, because it really, you can have a wonderful career in HR and do your entire career in HR doing so many different things. And when you think about HR, it can be very narrow, but there are so many options depending on the size of the company, what your interests are. You know, if you have a finance background, you can do compensation and, you know, headcount budgeting and all of that stuff, all the way over to recruiting, which is like a true people focused business, learning and development, the benefits, the HR business partnering. There's so many places you can dabble. So I think just try everything out and pick something that really feels good for you. So many people give advice from a place of like, here's what worked for me. I wish that I stayed true 
truer early on to what really felt good for me, me personally, and what resonated for me. Cause I think I, I got a little burnout there early in my career from doing things that I felt like I should be doing that didn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's this piece about doing things that really, that you enjoy. And I don't believe you have to enjoy every aspect of your job. <laughs> we don't want to take that out of context, but you do need to enjoy and get some energy from some of the things you're doing. So you may have a mentor who tells you, oh, this is the path you should take, but it doesn't feel quite right. Pick something that feels really good for you because it's it's a long play here. We got to work for a long time. <laughs> Most of us will have to work for a very long time <laughs> and you want to be able to enjoy it and you want your body and your mind to last. And you gave me the best segue, mentors. Yeah. Have you had formal mentors? Did you seek out mentors? Um, how did you find mentors if you did? I don't think I've had a formal mentor. I have had managers who have been very great, excellent support and mentors to me, but I didn't formally seek one out. No, I tripped into them, very fortunately. (laughs) On the same note, you know, we all need allies at work. What have you seen work in that respect, whether you had allies or you saw somebody else build these relationships successfully? What's what's the key there? That's a great question. I'm not sure I've even figured that out yet. Um, the ways where I've seen it done most successfully is building a personal relationship. Because I think having allies in an organization, you're not going to be an ally to someone who you don't feel personally connected with. It can't just be like, hey, let's team up and be allies. There needs to be a deeper connection because you want people to speak up and speak out for you when you're not in the room. And that takes a deeper personal connection, understanding other people's priorities and what they really need to get out of something. I relate this a lot to cross-functional collaboration. You know, in HR, we did a lot of headcount stuff and that tied really closely to finance. And while we're all trying to do generally the same thing, Everybody needs something very specifically different out of that. And unless you understand someone else's perspective, you can't be an ally to them. Um, So I think it really is about discovering other people's perspectives and what skin they have in the game so that you're truly connected on that deeper level. Um, That also brings us back to networking, a very key important factor. And I think you had mentioned last time, you know, you even got a job through one of the networks you had, how do you go about networking? Because that's a hard one for women, especially, you know, how do you start? How do you go about? How do you really nurture that network and keep going? You know, I constantly have to remind myself and I remind my clients too, people want to help each other. You're not annoying. Like, well, you can be annoying when you're networking, right? But for the most part, people want to help each other because they want to help you because it feels good for them and it feels good for you. And I think what we've discovered through COVID, um, like so many people have networked with complete strangers on LinkedIn from all over the world. And I never would have had the courage to do that. And I've had like hour and a half conversations with people that I've never even met in person and didn't even do a Zoom call. We've just talked on the phone while we walked. Like, I think the trick to networking is just remembering that it's about meeting new and exciting people and there's something to learn from everybody. 
there's something to learn. There's something to share. And if you don't feel like you learned or shared something, then hopefully you had an enjoyable 30 to 90 minutes of conversation, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be about an outcome that you know. It could be just about building a relationship and enjoying each other and supporting each other when it comes up. That is so true. And you brought up a great point too. We started this um, podcast during COVID. So a lot of women I knew personally, but some I did not. They came through some referrals and, you know, other sources. And when I spoke to them, it was like instant connection and we stayed connected. And now when I meet them in person, it's like we've known each other for years. And And some of the people I really knew well, I just haven't kept in touch. Now if I meet, there's like a little awkwardness. But some of these women are like just amazing instantly you know I'm like I know them for years like even it feels that way right it's so fun and I feel that way too like I made a new connection and I thought if I ever go to that city I'm calling her up and I can't wait to meet her in person it's gonna be awesome I'm gonna need like six hours totally random person from the internet like that's my new funny joke is like I met a random person from the internet like this is my jam. I'm a, I'm a super high extrovert. And my husband always says you were not made to be working at home by yourself remotely. Like you're just biologically not made for that. So I really do get energy from meeting other people. And I found that people genuinely just want to help each other out. And I like helping people too. So it's perfect. So we talk about people really wanting to help each other. But along the way, we also find a lot of naysayers, right? You want to do something, they have an opinion, a very strong one, and they really want to tell you what that is. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with naysayers? And have you had naysayers in your life? Well, I think the first part of my career was built upon the backs of naysayers. <laughs> so it starts when I applied to college. I had a career counselor, or a guidance counselor who said, you'll never get in there. And I said, oh, yeah, watch me best day ever going in there and putting my acceptance letter on her desk. And then I graduated college and I said, I'm going to start a career in HR and I'm going to go to a company that will pay for my MBA. And people are like, yeah, no way. That's not going to happen. What are you going to do with that communications degree? I got my job in HR and they paid for my MBA. And then during that time, I listened to some people talk about somebody who left around the age of 35 to start their own consulting career. And so here I am at this phase and I'm like, watch me work. (laughs) So I actually um, get fueled by naysayers. I get some joy in proving them wrong. I don't know. What can I say? Maybe it's stubborn. Maybe it's productive. I don't know. But I've done some things. Uh, I think it comes from a place of self-knowing. You know, maybe that person doesn't know the aspect of me that needs to be activated. And I, throughout my life, have felt like I've got a good degree of self-knowing. So when somebody says you can't do that, I'm like, well, you just don't know that side of me. You don't know this about me that's going to help me do this thing. So um, it's it's served me in my life, I guess. And are there certain values that you really abide by that have helped you navigate through tough decisions in life? situations? So I've been very fortunate to work for companies that are very employee focused and do the right thing by people, even in very difficult situations like layoffs, you know, terminations of any kind of um, sort promotions. They're always focused on doing right by the person as well. That has been one of my values all throughout my career is just to do right by the person. 
because that person (laughs) will have an experience and I could be the person who is involved in that experience. And I want it to feel good for them, even if it's a difficult conversation. Um, So naturally being in HR, I found myself in a lot of difficult conversations, but I wanted that to feel like a real authentic human connection. And so I think having integrity and focusing on the impact that I'm making on people, that's the most important thing. Because if I feel like I didn't make a good impact or I feel like it wasn't what I wanted it to be, it eats at me forever, (laughs) literally forever. I just really value the human interactions and the relationships um, even if it is just in a brief moment professionally. If you look back, is there a certain mistake or a failure that really taught you a lot? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, you know, there was a time in my life when I had something going on personally that I kept very private. And I thought I was doing a great job managing it. And then all of these things started happening at work and people started making some assumptions and it really hurt my feelings. But I never shared with anybody what was going on because I didn't feel like it was relevant or pertinent or like people really needed to know at work. And it was a huge mistake. It almost cost me my career, (laughs) my job at the time, quite honestly. And I wish that I had just been honest and it would have been messy and emotional, but people needed to know what was going on so that they could have the context around what was happening with me at work. Um, And instead, I tried to manage it by myself. And I should have asked for more help. I think asking for help sooner has always been my thing that I've needed to work on. (laughs) I'm a very much like I can do it, I'll handle it, I'll do it myself kind of person. Um, But I think, yeah, I should have been vulnerable. And I should have asked for help. And maybe I didn't have the answer, but I needed people to lean in and I needed to bring people in to support me. And I think it would have caused, helped me avoid a lot of strife and a lot of conflict and a lot of just disappointment. And We all have things like that, right? That we realize later on or we see others doing something and then we're like, oh my God, we do this too and we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Are there certain qualities that you see in other women, especially women? that you think um, are not helping us at all? And what should they be doing instead? Things I see happening is trying to wear this cloak or this mask of somebody else, a mentor, a role model, an idol, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think women have so many powerful qualities and being able to tap into that feminine energy of like, the feeling and the relational aspects of it. And just, um, you know, like those deeper feminine qualities, I think could really help us as women, (laughs) like as women as a whole, I think we have so much to offer that's been so blocked off or carved away so that we can like climb up whatever ladder we've chosen to climb up, but we've left all of this kind of like juicy richness off to the side. So I wish I wish for women that they could be more in touch with that feminine energy is what I'm seeing a lot with my clients that come to me, but it's, you know, whatever energy that you don't feel like you're leaning into, like a a better balance of that energy that you bring to your leadership, like a a balance between doing and execution and the other side, like feeling and leaning in and that relational aspect of all of the work that we do. 
um, because I think it unleashes some secret powers that people have and that are craving to tap into. And a lot of my clients come to me at, into like at the beginning of the transition into motherhood, just like having this aha moment of this whole new part of me has lit up and I don't know what to do with all of this energy or how to steer my career in a way that feels good to me. But like, there is something going on here. Um, so I do a lot of work with my clients in this space because I'm I'm really just passionate about it. So motherhood changes a lot of things for women. How did you manage that? And how do you advise um, the clients you have who come, you know, they just had a baby. Like, How do you advise them to really put everything in perspective? Um, it feels crazy because it is crazy. <laughs> um, first of all, so many people come to me after having a baby and they're trying to reconcile like their pre-baby professional identity and their post-baby professional identity. And they're like, something is broken. Like what happened? Like, it feels like the wind came out of my sails or like I put the brakes on everything. And I'm not talking like mommy tax. I'm talking like fundamental core shift in values, priorities, interests. It happens and it's okay. It can exist together. Like you can be a professional and a mother at the same time. But my recommendation to people is like, go forward. Don't try and go back. I spent so many years trying to go back to my life before having a baby, as opposed to just cherishing and relishing in the amazing shifts that happened when I had my daughter. Our first um, child was a girl. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have this huge responsibility to be a role model for her. Like, this is some serious generational shifting I'm doing here around professionalism and career and everything trajectory you know it's a great time we're really upsetting a lot of the status quo for women or we're we're trying (laughs) and we're doing good noble work um but it's just own the shift and know that the identity crisis does come and it's normal and you're not alone and you just need to talk about it because then it all comes together this has been such a great conversation sarah any final closing comments for our listeners this is cheesy but like follow your heart Your heart is going to tell you what's important to you. Your heart's going to tell you what's not important to you. Just manage what is important to you because life is really, really short. And we have so many things that we know how much we have of our money, our house, our family. But time is not something that we know how much we have of. So just live your best. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate um, this great conversation. So thank you. Thank you.